3: She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888 84 Jesse, or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. I don't like talking about Nazis, Germany, Holocaust. I, I, I don't like talking about it for this reason it's not that i don't find it fascinating i find it endlessly horrific and fascinating it's a period of time that 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 we all should focus a lot on the reason i don't bring up that particular period too much here on the show is this it's all you hear all the time the leftists have totally ruined this word nazi nazi this nazi that this is like the holocaust you remember when there were you know we were when we were detaining illegal immigrants down on the border as if there was anything else to do with them. We had all this talk in the press about concentration camps. These are concentration camps. So they've beaten that word down so much. They've beaten that era down so much that I generally don't like to focus on it just because it's so overdone. And I feel like we're not paying the proper respect to it if we beat it down that much. That said, there's something about it that I have always found fascinating. And I talk to everybody about this that I can who knows something about it. And this is what I found fascinating about it. (laughs) We have the benefit of hindsight. We saw what Hitler did. We saw what the Nazis did. But they seemed so honest about what they wanted, the Nazis did early on. They just were always very vocal about it, very upfront about it. It's not as if Hitler's hatred of Jews was some hidden thing. And so I've always had a hard time merging that with, why were Jewish people still there? Why were Jewish people still staying? I didn't understand it. I could never merge it. And here's what I've come up with, having talked to so many people, having talked to people who actually lived through the Holocaust. This is what this is what I keep ge- hearing back every single time. And I have no choice, since I wasn't there, but to take them at their word. What they continued to say was, We didn't believe it was real. Oh, we believed Hitler was evil. We believed Hitler hated Jews, but we never in our right minds could imagine it would go from that to what actually happened. Who could be that evil? Of course it can't be real. Oh, he's just given a speech. It can't be real. And I realized that makes total sense. And who can fault them for that? Because I'll tell you who else is really, really guilty of that. All of us. All of us. To some extent, whether it be in your personal life, in your business life, definitely politically, we hear something from the other side, something from their own mouths that we think, that's horrific. But then we dismiss it almost immediately. We dismiss it or just don't quite take them seriously. Oh, okay. That's crazy. That's not going to happen. Why do we do that? Take an assessment right now of where we are as a nation, what you are witnessing happen all over the country right now, what you've seen, not just for the past few weeks, for the past few months. Let me just lay a couple things out for you here. In the United States of America, we've seen pastors placed in handcuffs and thrown in jail for having church. We've seen business owners arrested, We've seen the government fill in a skate park with sand. We've seen mayors, governors, several others point to certain industries and say, close your doors and go out of business. Close your doors and go out of business. Oh, that livelihood of yours, it's gone now. Oh no, no, you can stay open. Oh no, you can stay open. You, you're closed. Then we get to these riots, this looting, this murder, this insanity. We see stores being absolutely ransacked. We see already bad neighborhoods become so much worse. We see people demonizing the cops. And you know what the powers that be have done? They've joined along. Even on the Republican side, they've joined along. Well, I mean, yeah, we need need the Justice Act. The Republican linesman, well, I mean, I like cops, but clearly they need some federal help wait, what? Cops are the enemy now? Think at the insanity you've seen. And now look at what's happening. Tearing down statues. It was a joke in the beginning, right? I talked to you about this the other night about Mount Rushmore. We all joked about it. I did the same thing just recently. Three, four weeks ago, someone brought up Mount Rushmore and I went, <laughs> okay, man, it's not going to get that crazy. People, it's here now. We have some of the biggest news publications in the United States of America openly campaigning to bring it down because of the past of some of the presidents there and the man who did a lot of the building was apparently had some ugly stuff in his background. It's time to start taking them seriously. It's time to start taking them seriously. Just because Republicans never seem to mean what they say doesn't mean we need to assign that to the leftists. These people mean exactly what they say. They mean exactly what they say. I'm going to play you about five or six examples here, some a little longer, some a little shorter. And I know some of these you have seen before, but I want you to watch them again, and I want you to watch them with this in mind. This person is serious, and this person is going to try to do this unless I stop them. Here's number one.
1: I will never stop saying, not only do we need to disinvest for in police, but we need to completely dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department. The Minneapolis Police Department is rotten to the root. And so when we dismantle it, we get rid of that cancer and we allow for something beautiful to rise.
3: That person means that. Here's the governor of Virginia.
4: You see, in Virginia, we no longer preach a false version of history, one that pretends the Civil War was about state rights and not the evils of slavery. No one believes that any longer. And in 2020, we can no longer honor a system that was based on the buying and selling of enslaved people, not in 2020. So I want us all to tell that little girl the truth. Yes, that statue has been there for a long time. But it was wrong then, and it is wrong now. So we're taking it down.
3: Do you know what they want you to do? Would you like to know what they really want from you? Oh good, I'm glad you do, because I'm going to show you an example, and don't for a second think that this is limited to the people you see in this video. This is what they want from all of you. Well, we know he's being God and he no longer can be here in honor of his legacy. We're not rioting, God. We're not shaming anybody, God. We're just humbling ourselves before you. Yes, Lord. You brought the thunder and rain today, God, because Satan takes the L today. Father, in Jesus' name, you get the victory. Father, we ask for forgiveness from our black brothers and sisters for years and years of racism, of systematic racism. I'm so creeped out. Here is AOC, and remember, she means this.
1: Everyone, I'm so excited here today. What a beautiful day to liberate ourselves from student debt. What a beautiful day to liberate our future generations from the scourge of for-profit education, and by that we also mean for-profit student loan debt as well. Uh, this is so. This is such an important issue because this is not just about our future generations and our current generations, but this is about our entire economy. We are experiencing a systemic and economy-wide threat to grinding, to grinding our, our economy to a halt because families and people in my generation, older and younger, are not buying cars, we're not purchasing homes, we are not building families because of the scepter that student loan debt represents on our generation. It is unjust, and it is a burden that no generation before had to encounter to the scale and the level that ours has.
3: (laughs) Ha ha ha, it's multi-trillion dollars. The student loan debt's multi-trillion dollars. They're never going to nationalize that. (laughs) That's never going to... Yes, they will. Yes, they will. They mean it. They mean it. And you know that southern border of ours... The southern border you would assume if there's any issue let's say the democrats and republicans are way far apart on everything but if there's one issue surely surely they both can agree on it would be the security of america right it would be stopping people from illegally immigrating here i mean obviously that that's something that everyone can agree on right no
5: the fact (laughs) is a wall is an immorality It's not who we are as a nation. And this is not a wall between Mexico and the United States that the president is creating here. It's a wall between reality and his constituents, his supporters. He does not want them to know what he's doing to Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security in his budget proposal. He does not want them to know what he's doing to clean air and clean water and the rest in his Department of Interior and of uh, of EPA, He does not want them to know how he is hurting them, so he keeps the subject on the wall.
3: That's the Speaker of the House of Representatives claiming a wall, basic border security. Anybody on the Border Patrol will tell you is needed, is an immorality. One last one. Pay attention to this one here. This is a member of the United States House of Representatives.
1: Organizing, organizing is about tipping people off if you start to see that ICE and CBP are in communities to try to keep people safe.
3: Tipping people off? If our immigration enforcement is searching for people, they search for felons, by the way. They should be searching for everyone, but that's another matter. We're supposed to tip them off? It's time to accept where we are. Let us not make the same mistakes so many other peoples throughout history have made. And that's not taking the enemy seriously when the enemy is very, very loud and proud about what they believe and what they want. The leftists in this country have a plan for you. It is horrific. Stop writing it off as campaign propaganda and start paying attention to what's happening around you. They mean what they say. Let's take them seriously. All of that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, you know what else should make you uncomfortable? $26 trillion in debt. $4 $4 trillion deficit. Unemployment. We even had great numbers recently about unemployment still at 11%. Deficits through the roof, the Fed pumping money into the market. We know what's happening. Do you know all the finance experts I knew before all this coronavirus garbage? All the finance experts before that were saying, oh, there's going to be a big market correction. Oh, yeah, this can't go on forever. What do you think's going to happen now? Now I want you to picture your standard IRA 401k that's in stocks and bonds. What happens to it when that bubble bursts? Get a precious metals IRA from Birch Gold. Birch Gold has an A plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Go to Birchgold.com slash Jesse. That's B-I-R-C-H-Gold.com slash Jesse. Protect your, your retirement, please. We'll be back. Joining me now, one of our favorite people, editor-in-chief of redstate.com. I'm worried I'm going to forget to say that chief part one day, Kira Davis. Also, let's point out Californian Kira Davis. And I point this out, Kira, before we get rolling here, L.A. County Sheriff says, "Um, I'm not enforcing any beach lockdowns. Are they worried there's going to be anarchy if you Californians can't go sun it up?
5: Yeah, I mean, we take our beaches really seriously here, which you saw during a lot of the protests. So I don't know, but like I'm in Orange County and L.A. County and Orange County are two different things. L.A. County people are like sheeple. They'll just do whatever the government tells them. In Orange County, it's the opposite. Uh, Today, Newsom's going to tell us that family gatherings are banned for the 4th, but I can tell you that in Orange County, no one ever stopped gathering.
3: Yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to ask you, Kira. I mean, and to, to get off on a COVID tangent here, we have new lockdowns coming and new cases, and then no one can figure out the truth anymore because everybody's been lying to us for three months. Are there actually new cases? Are there new tests? Are there new tests? I've, I've stopped pretending to even know. I just breeze past the headlines. But are people genuinely still worried or are, are they only worried to the extent the government is making them do certain things?
5: Well, I think it's pretty split. I don't know if it's down the middle, but I know people who are genuinely worried. Like, my neighborhood Facebook page is full of um, (laughs) scolds just telling us, like, we're ramping up for – the hostels aren't full yet, but we're just – we keep ramping up. We're ramping up for surges. You guys need to be careful. (laughs) And then there are those of us, like people on my street – Who are like yeah whatever we'll do whatever we want when we're out we'll be careful if we if we feel that we should be but no one's going to come in and tell us that we can't have a July 4th party in our little pocket park down the street no one's doing that if you don't like it stay home so it's kind of I never can tell who I'm with if I'm with people who are like scolds or if I'm with people who are like do your thing you know I just won't come if I don't feel comfortable
3: yeah, I, Here's the, you mentioned your party. Nobody's going to stop you. Somebody will stop you here in Texas. I mean, we have this view, or at least people nationally have this view, that Texas is, you know, about to secede and become the freest country in the world. You know, they're, we're this bastion of conservatism. And that's not true. I'm sorry, I'm here and I love it, but that's simply not true. Our governor relocked the state down closed all the bars and banned any gathering over a hundred people. If I had a hundred person gathering, they'd come out and throw the cuffs on me or at least have to do something by law down here. I'm mad at Republicans right now, Kira. I'm really mad for being too weak to ever fight for us on anything. It's ticking me off.
5: Yeah. I'm to the point too, where I'm kind of like, where are the grown-ups here? You know, the children have been in charge for too long and I think we've all, or most of us have have resigned ourselves to the idea that the mobs are just kind of in control and we don't, you know, if the state says we got to do something, then we got to do it. We've forgotten that we actually have all these elected officials who that is actually their job to stand in the gap for us and represent us. So my, my, the drum I've been beating all week, Jesse, is call your representatives, email them. You need to be making as much noise as those protesters and the protesters are burning stuff down you're not going to go burn stuff down but you can make noise in a different way and i know it feels useless because it doesn't have an immediate effect or response but this is the problem with responsibility it's rarely very sexy but to be honest you need to be making noise with your representatives they only care about their job so those people on the streets they're probably not going to vote not the majority of them you vote So you need to remind your representatives that there's an election coming up in November. And no matter what the other side is saying, they're paying attention to you. They're paying attention to their reps. And if they want their votes, they're going to stand up and and stop some of this stuff in the name of civility. Kira,
3: I'm glad you brought that up because I had an idea. had an idea earlier today, and you know I have such a huge brain that I'm always coming up with these
5: things.
3: It's a good idea. All right. Let me hear me out. I think that we should organize a social media thing on Twitter or something else for your congressman. And it sounds small and it sounds stupid. And honestly, even suggesting it sounds stupid to me. But I think we have to admit that social media, good or for good or bad, has way, way too much influence on our elected representatives. Let's be honest. The president of the United States is all over it. Senators are all over it. Uh US Congressmen are all over it. And part of the reason none of these GOPers have been standing up for us is they spend way too much time on there finding out how bad America sucks and then they go along with that.
5: So you so your idea is that we just start what? Flooding social media with a hashtag or bitching yes. on social media?
3: Yes. Yes, 100%. Not even about the media, my about directly to your congressman. As soon as your congressman or your idiot senator says something terrible, I know it sounds ridiculous, you you add him on Twitter and try to get an absolute social media mob coming his way until he stops being an idiot.
5: I actually don't think that's a terrible idea, Jesse. Um <laughs> I, it's kind of, but if you'll allow me, it's sort of an extension of what I just told you needs to be done. You're just moving oh, it to social gosh. media. So it's kind of my idea. And then you tweaked okay. it a little bit, which is fine. That's fine. But um, no, I mean, you, you're absolutely right though. We grossly underestimate the power of social media. And we shouldn't because a lot of this is social media driven. Absolutely get on social media create a hashtag, tag your representative, your GOP representative who is pissing you off, tag that person and start going at them the way other people are on social media. Make it uncomfortable for them. The squeaky wheel and all that. You know, it's a cliche, but it's true. And the problem that we've had here is that people like us, Jesse, and I, I just mean kind of generally speaking, we're workers. We go to work, we put our heads down, we support our family. Like we don't have the time or the emotional um ambition to be raging every single day. We elect people and we hope that we can trust them to do what's right in the government so that we can go to our jobs every day and raise our family and do what we're doing as Americans. That is an advantage, but it's also a disadvantage because then we're kind of disconnected when the whole world blows up and we're like, well, what the hell's going on? Like we're not the type of people to go burn things down. We're the type of people to build things up. And so it feels antithetical to be trying to tear people down on social media. But you do have to make people pay attention to you to let them know, hey, it's not just the rioters out there. I'm here, too. I have a business. I've had a business that had to close twice now and probably isn't going to survive. And I'm also a voter.
3: Well, I don't know what antithetical means, but I think you just agreed with me with all that. Now, Now you agreed with me. Yes, 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 I agree with you. Now, (laughs) you said something a couple times ago when we had you on, and since it was smart, it really stuck out to me amongst everything else. You mentioned about people getting involved in these institutions, and I totally agree with you there, but I actually got emails after that that of people wanting to know what exactly you meant. Are you saying people should run for school board? Should people run to be in charge of a college? People don't know. People are dying to do something. They're desperate and scared right now. What should people do?
5: I know this isn't the answer that people wanna hear because it means you taking time out of your personal life to do stuff, but yeah, run for school board. Or if you don't wanna run for office, show up to your city council meetings. I cannot tell you how many times I have seen a crazy new tax or law at the local level overturned simply because there was one person with a phone sitting in the audience that day. Show up to your city council meetings. Your very presence makes a difference. Make sure you're informed when you go to the ballot box. Make sure you know what the measures are there. But it's also things like supporting um, cultural things that really reflect your values. So if you find something that reflects your values and you like it, even if it's in the mainstream, support that with your views, support that with your eyes, share it with your friends. If you're a conservative with money, consider supporting um, conservatives who are working in the arts instead of another Republican um, candidate or a think tank. You know, we have to get involved. If, if you're just a regular person and you don't want to do any of that, one of the things you can do to, to help shift the culture is to um, support the things that you see out there that are making a difference that, that you like with your dollars, just share it on social media. Uh, maybe you sit down and watch this show. Maybe you, I don't maybe you tweet at a show that had something offensive in it or something that you liked in it. my My point is to be participators and not bystanders. And that looks different for everybody. It's gonna look it's gonna look different for you than it looks for me. My the way I this is my job job, but the way I do it is I'm a producer. I have a production company. I make entertainment you know like that is what and i'm a conservative but i don't make conservative entertainment i just make entertainment that i think everyone would want to watch and then by that entertainment being completely devoid of politics it just naturally skews common sense it's not going to offend anybody everybody's well. participation is going to look different you know you got to decide that for yourself
3: well you make entertainment i am entertainment kira davis thank you so Let's much for coming you. appreciate you, appreciate you. appreciate you very much, ma'am. You know what's not entertaining? Being wiped out, being mugged. And do you know that there's a chance you've already been mugged and don't even know it? It's your home title. Your home title, it's not a piece of paper anymore. Not a physical piece of paper anymore. Your home title exists online now. In this digital world, while it can be hard for you and I to totally understand it, I'll admit it, I just kind of missed that super internet generation, there are criminals who aren't walking around with a ski mask on and a gun. They exist in their mom's basement behind a computer and they're pillaging people for a lot of money. They're jacking your home title, they may have already done it, taken out a loan against it, and you are going to start getting late notices for it. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address. See if you've already been a victim. While you're there, put in the code JESSE. You get 30 days for free. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. Joining me now is my friend Ryan Gerduski. He's the author of, let me get all this out correctly, They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution. First of all, before we get to the el- elites and how they created it, Ryan, what exactly is the National Populist Revolution?
4: Thanks for having me. So nationalism is a push against international organizations, the UN, NATO, um, a, a movement towards people for more sovereignty and greater sovereignty over their government. Populism is a class issue. The, those are the working class amongst, against the elites. So uh, and the higher income. So national populism is a right word thing where people who are more economically center and yet uh, right wing on issues like sovereignty, immigration, um, have united against basically the same common enemy, which is the elites um, that are pushing for more globalism, more immigration, um, and and um, and have created an economic system that doesn't work for the working class.
3: How did the elites create this? Because clearly what you just described is the Trump agenda. To whatever amount of success we want to say that it's had, that is the Trump agenda. That's how the Trump agenda was sold. You say this
4: came from where? So in the 1989, so America is a nation that has always had a national, always had a national mission from expanding westward to defeating the Nazis. It's kind of in our DNA. After the Cold War ended, George H.W. Bush crafted a new national mission. Um, and he said it in his inaugural address that um, we are on the pathway right, to promote liberalism around the globe, that that would be our main quest to have wars for liberalism, trade deals that expand liberalism, um, even when it didn't work in for. for most Americans. Um, and this was continued throughout the Clinton administration, the George W. Bush administration and the Barack Obama administration. So we went to war for, um, purpose, uh, wars that had no purpose besides expanding democracy abroad. We had uh, trade deals that gave billions and trillions of dollars to China, um, but emptied out the Midwest. Um and we had an invite the world fight the world policy where we brought in immigrants uh, from many nations that we were in the midst of bombing who went on who went on to create terrorist attacks in our home country um, uh, and also demographically rapidly demographically change our country and alter our country which uh, and we cite this in the book. When you have mass immigration, when you have a huge diversity over a short period of time, it leads to a, a greater decrease in social trust and trust and willingness to invest in institutions, which is what we've seen a breakdown in recently.
3: What do you mean, breakdown? Which institutions?
4: I mean, all of them have been broken down. There's no trust in any institutions. But not only is there no trust in institutions, um, we are not willing to even invest in institutions, as you see, as, you, as you've seen recently. Um, things like charitable donations are down substantially. Um, things like attendance to town hall meetings, the civic associations, your willingness to participate and invest in your time and your money and energy in institutions is declined substantially over the recent time. That's due to two major things. One is uh, mass diversity creates a lack of social trust. Secondly, um, a decline in religiosity among the population because religious people donate the most time and most money to civic organizations.
3: Why do we have a lack of religiosity all of a sudden, or is this just something decades-building?
4: I think this is, I mean, it's a Western phenomenon. I mean, Western phenomenons, I mean, we have it across the entire Western world. America was kind of the last place to get it. And I think that but what happened was when the elites destroyed uh, kind of the Christian fabric of our country slowly but surely by getting rid of prayer in school in the 60s and all the rest of it, they thought that you could replace, I mean, it was like the Bill Maher theory that if you just destroyed religion, you'd replace it with science and everyone would be so smart and intelligent. But what happens, and you see this today, is we have a social religion. We have the religion of anti-racism. Um, people believe um, in the doctrine of anti-racism. It is a state-sanctioned religion at this point. And you can see the iconography, the washing of the feet. Um, you have a penal code, which is that you are born with the original sin of being white and you can never recover, it. Um, you know, make amends to it. There is a moral, there is a penal code, but there's no ethic code. You can never receive eternal forgiveness or grace or salvation. It is just a system, it's just a penal code. Um, and that dates back to, especially among white liberals in the book, and we cite the social science that sits there and stipulate and shows this. But white li- every every racial group um, has an inward feelings towards people of their own racial groups. So blacks will look at another black person and have a warm feeling towards them. Same with Asians, same with Hispanics, same with whites, except for white liberals. They are the only group in America to look at other white people and have negative feelings upon looking at them. Um, and that is substantially, you know, pushed into our immigration conversation, it's pushed into our racial conversations, um, and are pushed into our, our, our welfare conversations as well. I mean, we have millions of people in this country who are poor whites who will never receive nearly the attention or, or the interest in, in bringing them up that we should We saw in the opi- opioid crisis how it was kind of pushing the rug for decades.
3: Okay, I'm not saying I disagree with you in any way, but what makes a white liberal that way? What makes them this that way? I've always been fascinated by this. Is this a parenting, nature versus nurture thing? Is this public education? What is it? How do you make this person so we can uh, I, stop making these people?
4: Yeah, I don't I I always say if we if the government produced uh, you know, poppy mills that produce as many brain damaged puppies as we as universities produce brain damaged humans, we would shut them down immediately. I have to think part of it has to do with our education system because there is a difference between college and non-college. I mean, that is a big, big, big divide, um, college education. I think a problem is our, our education system is too Western focused. And I, when I say that, I say that to say um, you are raised believing the world's created, was started in 1776. I mean, my generation was, I think young kids now started in 1965 with the Civil Rights Act. They never know about the horrors of two things. They never know the horrors uh, how fragile civilization is. They don't learn about the fall of Rome, what happened immediately afterwards, how like women in Spain were cooking their children and how with the French Revolution. And they never learn the horrors of humanity in the rest of the world or like Native Americans with human sacrifice or the horrors in Asia and Africa. So you're brought up to present that the world was this peaceful place. It was like the movie Pocahontas. Everyone was singing to the trees until the white man showed up. And so I think that it has a great responsibility when you don't know how horrible life has been. You grow up to believe two things. You believe, one, that Europeans created most of the problems in the world. And secondly, that uh, prosperity that we've only known in this country, basically, you know, since the Great Depression ended, prosperity is the the de facto. You're always going to be prosperous when in fact it is the work of many, many, many decades and generations of hard work. um, And it can be collapsed in a second.
3: What do we do to combat this? Because I I will tell you, uh, as as everybody knows by this point in time, I have never been more disgusted with the Republican Party as a whole. They don't change the narrative. They don't attempt to make any inroads attacking the leftists. All they do is do a little bit more of what the left is doing and beg for media
4: approval. What should they be doing, in your opinion? Well, I mean, what the Republican Party should do is grow a set. I mean, that's what they should be doing. But I think what we should be doing, what activists should be doing, is marching through the institutions. I think that that is what we have to do, is take back the institutions. It's it, it's taking back the curriculums of our school system, taking back the curriculums of our university, of our media. I mean, the, the left is so advanced at this point that 10, 15 years Years ago, they started marching through our corporations, and now we have now we have what's it called? Now we have corporations that are sponsoring all the Black Lives Matter stuff. That is not by accident. This is very, very purposeful. Purposeful. So, if you are interested in education, go run for school board, or go or go work for not. Don't become a university professor. Go become a bureaucrat for the university that makes all the decisions when it comes to what they teach and what they don't teach and where the money goes. Go, um, if you're in a co- corporation, get to see if you can get on the board somewhere, even if it's a small corporation and you make those decisions and you have the control over the narrative. I think that is, I think we can only win if we start. I can't. I don't think we can isolate ourselves. I don't think that's possible. We need to restart taking over the the, the narrative by taking over the institutions again.
3: Ryan Gerdusky, thank you so much. That was outstanding. Thank you. I know, I know what happens when you try to go to sleep at night because I've been there. You lay down and you're tired. It's not that you're not tired. You're tired and your eyes are burning and it feels good to close them and you think, oh, yes, I'm going to need this. And you can't turn this off because these thoughts are going through your head about the day you've had the day you're going to have tomorrow, the stresses of life, wife, husband, kids, you know, I know. What if there was a way you could calm your thoughts down without drugs, a drug-free solution? There is. It's called EBSleep. You put it on, it puts precise continuous cooling to your forehead area, putting you asleep faster and keeping you asleep. And you can try it risk free for 60 days. That is an absurd level of confidence in your product. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. When you're there, don't forget to use the promo code Jesse. Get yourself 25 bucks off. We'll be back. Joining me now is my man Clay Travis, former Green Beret for like 9,000 years, and much more importantly, former Marine, Recon Marine, Scout Sniper Marine. So the man knows his way around firearms and combat a bit, and he wrote this book that you really need to get. I tell you all the time about books that you should get. Oh, this would be an entertaining read. This is a book, given this day and age that we live in, it's time for you to buy this book. It is called Concrete Jungle, A Green Beret's Guide to Urban Survival. Clay Martin, first of all, what is the first thing I'm supposed to do? Let's say I'm just Joe Schmo. I'm a normal dude. I got maybe, maybe I got a shotgun at home and some, some extra shells laying around. What should I be doing at this point in time? Should I be trying to lay some landmines in my front yard?
0: I don't hate that idea. Uh, you know, if once you got mm, is, like, you're not mm, gonna a couple mm, of rounds, you should be ready to go pheasant hunting. I, I don't know the uh, the point of my book, though, was that you can't do this alone, and that was uh, it's kind of like the recurring theme there. Uh, I'm also going to tell you that as a special forces guy, our strength is to make an army out of you know illiterate peasants wherever we go. So if you give me some Americans that can read and write, we can absolutely learn that with a book. It's not going to be too big of a problem. But that's the uh, the thing you've you got to get together. You've got to get some people organized. Think about what you need to do. Uh, what tools you have to do it. Maybe grand shotgun's not enough. Or maybe it is. I don't know. You know every situation uh, is different. But at least kind of think about this and red sell it a little bit before the crisis is actually in the front yard.
3: What, as far as weapons go, before we get to the other practical things you talk about in your book, as far as weapons go, I understand that things are pit clean right now. We had record gun sales again last month. So, but assuming I have some options, maybe I'm a first-timer, Clay. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing, what I should be looking for. Maybe I look at a gun and I wet myself. What should I, where should I be going first? What do I get?
0: Well, uh, I am partial to Carl uh, Gustav or Coiless Rifles, but those are quite hard to get these days. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if you've got something, you're probably going to be okay for right now. Maybe it's not the uh, the weapon you should have. That the lefties actually succeed in turning this into a civil war, but it's probably good enough for now. Uh, if you have a a, a, a smaller gun, all you get a little pistol or something. You know, maybe think about how you're going to defend yourself. That uh, that changes things a little bit. But uh, other than that, you know, start planning for the future. Start thinking about what you might want to have that you don't have right now. I mean, AR-15 is the uh, the absolute classic gun. I mean, that's the all-American defended defend everything uh, rifle, and that's what I, I highly recommend that everybody have.
3: 5.56 five, or 7.62, I know uh, we might be getting down to the nitty-gritty, but look, it's my show. Look, we have some gun guys that watch. Are you a heavier or lighter man?
0: Man, that is a tough one. I'll tell you, I've got a group of uh, snipers that, uh, that I'm friends with that you know we've we served together our entire career, and we have this debate uh, quite often, actually. If you were going back to Baghdad today, in a sniper role, no less... Would you take an SPR, which is a 5.56 five, gun, or a 7.62 gun? And I, I was always a 7.62 guy. I like it better for uh, for reaching out a little further. You can also say a city's is better it's better at penetrating barriers like concrete or mailboxes or engine blocks. But for most people, I'm probably going to go 5.56. Five, I'm going to go volume over, uh, over accuracy.
3: Okay, now let's pretend that I'm just the normal average Joe in a neighborhood I'm worried that at some point in time, one of these roving bands of rioters and looters are going to come knocking on our doors. What should I be doing?
0: Man, and there's a, there's a lot of things to unpack there. Uh, are you the only person in your neighborhood that, uh, that wants to do something about this? In that case, you probably pack all your valuable stuff and leave. I mean, that, that's just hands down the, uh, the reality of it. Other than that, I mean, you've really got to prepare to defend yourself. You're talking like somewhere like downtown St. Louis? Oh, man, I'd be putting plywood over the windows, get some fire extinguishers, maybe thinking about those claymores in the front hallway. Clay,
3: in all seriousness, somebody is or somebody's are making entry into my home. I'm in there, got a wife... Two and a half kids in the house. Where do you go? Do you go up? Do you go down? Do you go in a closet? Do you go in a bathroom? Do you hide under your bed and suck your thumb? Where do you go once you get a hold of your weapon?
0: Man, especially if you got kids, you got to move to contact. I think. I think you got to get out there. and You got to put them down. You got to. You got to stop that problem wherever it's at before they get close to your kids. I mean, especially as men, that is part of our 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 duty. You know, we take the bullet if we need to, but most importantly, we we stop ever getting anywhere near our children. I'm a big fan of uh, get out there with overwhelming violence and shut them down. That's probably not a. What do I thing.
3: need for? No, I like it. What What do I need for supplies that aren't all the sexy things? And you know, everybody loves a weapon, and everybody loves the optics and a, and a sling. And and I've got nine thousand magazines. What are the more basics? You mentioned fire extinguishers. Fire extinguishers earlier. What's something else I should be getting?
0: And one thing people don't think about is a medical kit, and that's huge. Uh, I mean, you've seen this in your combat time. I saw it in mine. When I was a young man, I thought we were going to take our guns and we were going to win the day and nobody was going to die or get hurt. And that's not how things work. I mean, even your most high speed, well trained ninjas in the universe get shot. I mean, it happens. You do this enough, you're going to get hurt. So you'd have some medical equipment laying around and to know how to use it. You know, your basic stuff like tourniquets and, uh, you know, Kerr likes to plug holes, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, definitely a little bit of food and water. I think we've all learned from the other uh, Rona on that, and uh, you'll probably three or four pallets of toilet paper. That's very important.
3: Clay Martin, go buy his book. It is called Concrete Jungle. Go buy it today, Clay. Much appreciated, my
0: friend. All right, thanks a lot, brother. We'll see you soon, Kelly. Be
3: good. Look, as he started to elaborate there for us, and I really do want you to pick up the book, I do. But as he elaborated for us there. It's not always, you know, you don't have to be Claymart, You don't have to be this Green Beret who served for 9,000 years and seen combat all over. Take what you have and find a way to communicate with your neighbors in a very, very, very basic way. And I'm not, look, I'm not telling you to go out and dig some bunker in the backyard of your house and layer it with concrete and booby traps. And I, I'm not telling you that, although that'd be really sweet. And I may do that now that I brought it up. No, I'm just talking about opening up lines of communications with your neighbors in your neighborhood. What if they come knocking on your door? What if you hear they're in the next neighborhood over? That is not the time to have first contact with your neighbors about what needs to be done, about who's going to go where, how many many ways can you make entry into your neighborhood? Have you even thought about that? Most people haven't. Don't feel guilty if you haven't. But how many ways are there for somebody or somebody's, which is really what you're worried about, how many ways are there for a group of people to get onto your street, to find their way in front of your house, where then they're in a position to do something bad? Some neighborhoods, there's one. Some, there's three. Talk to your neighbors. Who owns a weapon? Who can post themselves where? What is the plan if this comes? You don't have to be... The neighborhood weirdo about it either. You don't have to get yourself all done up in camo paint with the Rambo bandana on and go pounding on your neighbor's doors and tell them it's time to do fire, tree, fire team drills. You really do not. You can handle this in a very nonchalant way. But we make this mistake sometimes. You and I think that we're the only ones, because you're probably the most political one in your group. If you're watching my show, you almost undoubtedly are. You think that we're the only ones paying attention to what's going on. We're the only ones a little concerned right now. We're not the only ones. We're not the only ones. Your neighbors feel the same way. And you know how I know this? Because I've been talking to mine a lot more lately about this stuff. And when I even crack open that door... The floodgates come open of, can you believe this? Oh, my goodness, this world's gone crazy. There are people out there concerned they will be receptive to somebody coming up with a plan. This was not supposed to be this, you know, fun, fun and joyful segment here. This is something that hope it never does. Lord willing, might save your life. Get out there. Come up with a plan. I do actually recommend that you buy that book a lot. I wasn't just saying that because Clay is my friend. The man knows what he's doing. He offers some extremely direct, practical tips for you to sleep a little better at night. How about that? All right. Take heart. We'll do this again sometime.
0: For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of the Jordan Harbinger Show. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world.
2: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets